Welcome to Trollodron Behind the Scenes. I'm Chad Corey. This is Episode 2, An Introduction to Trollodron, Part 2, The Middle Years. Last episode, we ended with the beginnings of the genesis of the world of Trollodron, talking about how I began the process of learning about fantasy, starting to write, getting into mythology, all that fun stuff, and then finally discovering a group of people to get together with and play Dungeons & Dragons, and learning how the concept of that world creation and telling stories and interacting with more real-time story creation help generate the very beginnings of not just writing better stories, but also creating a fantasy world setting in which those stories could take place. And now we're going to get into the middle years, how the world setting was kind of fleshed out, fine-tuned, perfected, for lack of a better word, into what we have today with the stories and such coming out in the present time. And to give kind of a time frame for when this is all going to be taking place, We ended last particular episode, we started, I guess we could say, in the mid-80s, maybe early 80s, mid-80s. We continued that into the early part of the 1990s. And now we're going to continue into the 1990s. These would be my high school years and going into college and kind of how that developed and changed the story and the world setting as well. Now, for many years after I discovered uh, Dungeons & Dragons and the, the writing process, I also was introduced to more fantasy novels in general. I was getting kind of a favorable mindset, I guess you can say, toward that genre and learning more about it now, naturally because it was kind of geared toward what I was involving myself with more. But also in the 90s, there was a bigger increase of video games and computer games and things like that, which helped fuel a lot of the interest in the, uh, the genre in general. And it gave me more of an introduction to not just storytelling, but how to tell things a different way, what not to do, what could be done, how you can tweak things, you know, so on and so forth. And so it was a very creative collection of ideas kind of swirling around the environment and myself at that time, which I took advantage of. And through all that process, I was able to further fine-tune and develop the world setting. Now, the world setting itself in the beginning was, was more or less kind of generic. I just started out with some basic ideas, what I wanted to have on hand and have available to, to play and to test things out for stories. And over time that developed as I learned more about the game, but also learned more about the fantasy genre and what was and wasn't a good idea to pursue for my own purposes. And some of this, of course, had to do with my experiences with the game, what I found out, what uh, group of people I was playing with. And that changed, as it does, I think, for a lot of people as they grow and move in different circles and things like that. I, I changed, I think, three or four different groups that kind of grew and expanded and shrunk and expanded as I went through high school. And then eventually I got into uh, college. And when I got into college, I began studying some more interesting topics that helped kind of fine-tune the the basics and the foundations of the world setting. And that's probably a good place to kind of do a couple steps back and talk about what was going on with the writing as well at that point in time. I was doing a lot of, well, a lot of writing, I guess you can say, of this particular fantasy genre trying to find the right voice, the right way to tell it, the right story for the right world. And so I was working on a process of doing a trilogy at that point in time and trying to figure out how to go about doing that. But I was learning 
what I learned now, of course, was that you have to have that plot and structure in place. I still had those lessons to learn, and so I was doing a lot of revision, a lot of it went back and forth because it didn't have a solid foundation yet in the world setting. Part of the problem was I was doing a lot of the inspirational part or the world building based on the game, the Dungeon Dragons game, and that was not really helping me because it was using their words, their terminology, their mechanics to tell a story. And, you know, again, if you like that kind of thing and you want to tell stories that way, that's up to you. For me, it just didn't really, didn't really jive, didn't really fit. I found out later on because I was basically just, you know, trying to encapsulate what I think a lot of people do during that time when they play is try to take their adventures that they have as a group and make them presentable as a story. And that just usually that doesn't really work. There are exceptions to that, of course, but most times that it just doesn't work for stories for a lot of different reasons. But I was just finding that out why then, and I'm kind of getting myself frustrated in the process of writing this supposedly this never-ending story that just kept having to go back and be rewritten and revised and, and things like that. So that's when I really realized I had to sit down and really figure out, okay, what is this world setting really about? And so I set aside, which would end up being like a few years, to literally just go in and design this world, which would become, you know, Trolodron, and flesh it out and figure out, okay, what do I need to do to have everything in place to make a believable world setting, not just so I can play it with, you know, in the game setting, but also for a story setting. And that is what I did during what we call the middle years here. It was a very large chunk of time invested in writing, rewriting, redesigning, renaming stuff. I mean, I'd have stuff figured out and ready to go, maps and stuff, everything done. And then I'd soon figure out, maybe a year or so later, that I'd have to change a bunch of stuff and, you know, maps would disappear, whole, whole continents and nations would disappear, races would be gone, changed, altered, you know, the gods would change and disappear and disappear. And it would just be a a constant form of creative chaos. And what, what helped during that time was that, again, I had a, a, a kind of a, a rotating group of different people I could plug into and get their input and feedback as I kind of developed these things. And I was getting more and more free from the concept of having to be so rigidly adherent to a game system or a mechanic. I was actually, on one hand, I was still trying to make it a setting for, for role-playing games, but on the other hand, I was learning that I really had to divorce it from the game in order to make it viable long-term, if that makes sense. And so I was kind of, in one hand, like I said, kind of, kind of trying to connect it to the game, but the other hand, pulling it away, <laughs> ripping it apart, and making it something completely different. It could stand on its own. So that was, I don't want to say chaotic, but it was a, a chaotically creative, creatively chaotic, I guess, way of doing world design. And I learned a lot during that process, uh, especially a lot of what not to do. But I also learned some things of what to do. And I learned a lot about myself, about what kind of makes me take creatively wise and what I wanted to incorporate in the, the world setting in general. I also used that time to create a bunch of different worlds that I would able to later go back to in some ways and kind of flesh out and develop into other projects I'm, I'm doing now. But And I also found what made Trollodron unique, and that was what these middle years was about, developing, fine-tuning, fleshing out the actual world setting. And the biggest change happened for me when I kind of got done with college there. This is toward the middle, actually the latter portion of the 1990s. And what was common with a lot of people at that time, I think still is, is you, you know, if you play the game for a while, you, 
like anything in life, you get a group of people together for a limited period of time, and then everyone has their own life, their own agendas, and they go off and pursue it. So whether it's family, career, whatever. And that changes a bunch of the dynamics in the, the original assembly of the group. And so, you know, just like anything in life, your friends and stuff kind of rotate through different periods of your life. And so as that was changing on, I began kind of doing different things in my own life. And I had different directions and stuff I wanted to go. I realized that for me, while the game was a nice venue at the time, it just it just was someone's, like I said, holding me back from being creative. It was kind of, I don't want to say a crutch, but it was just kind of, I was using, again, their terminology, their concept and I, I just didn't want to be another you know role-playing game world whatever even though it had some genesis or some inspiration from the game I didn't want to have that tied so directly to it with what I was doing in the past and so then that came about another period of time for the next oh I don't know several years we did a lot of work redesigning stuff and it was just a lot of going in there like I said, that's where they were like, just gutted everything, pulled everything out, and just, in some cases, even started from scratch in a lot of different ways. I'm talking, we're talking everything from maps to mythology to cosmology to gods to people to, you know, everything. Nothing was a sacred cow. Everything was, was on the table at one point in time and just totally cleaned out, revised, revamped, all sorts of stuff. And that was also when I began the process of thinking seriously about making this a literary world setting, not something you could, you know, not to say you can't make games out of it or, you know, make whatever out of it, but its primary focus is to be a literary property. And I got more serious about making it a property, more more business-minded about wanting to do something with it. And that's when I started to, like, like I said, pull into what makes a good literary property. And that's when I started reading some more and getting some more inspiration from different uh, authors and things, going back to the stuff that originally inspired me, uh, mythology and stuff and Robert E. Howard, and get back to what those core elements were and began to build upon that. And some of the stuff from the very beginning kind of made it in. Um, not everything. There are just some core elements that kind of transferred over. But a lot of what was done at that point in time will form the basis for what was done with the modern-day version of Trollodron. But it was still a very rough and raw kind of weird mixture. It needed to kind of be blended a little bit more and fine-tuned in order to get it to where it needed to be perfect for telling stories and kind of something that was in my own voice and something that I could have comfort going back to again and again and inspiration, too, for telling more stories and also using it to be an inspiration for other people who want to come in and, and read them and, and enjoy them as well. And it's with that part in my career, I guess you could say, that I began to look at long-term planning. And when I started picking names, I because now we had the Internet, it wasn't like it is today, but it was still kind of, in, even in its fledgling form, it was kind of useful for producing informational searches and such. So if I had different names, I was looking for different races or different creatures or things or doing a mythological search, you know, trying to make sure that the words and names and things that I pick out for stuff could kind of more or less stand on their own, be unique, or have their own unique spin on them and there wouldn't be any type of confusion or problem with other properties or other settings or even other languages. I, I actually went in and did searches for different things. What is the translation of this in different languages and made sure that to the best of my knowledge at that time, I wasn't going to have any issues with if something was picked up and translated overseas or if someone was trying to read something for an audiobook. I was, you know, I was looking at it from every possible angle 
you know, if this ever got made into a TV show or a movie, how would this look? How would this be portrayed? What's the color scheme? I mean, I really got maybe maybe a little too anal about some of the information and details and uh, basic background stuff that would be needed for whatever the property got translated into. So, like I said, whether it's film, TV, animation, audio, foreign stuff, all sorts of things, action figures, you know, whatever possibly could be done with it, I made sure there was kind of some basic structure and guidelines in place that made it everything consistent and kept everything consistent because I knew if I were to tell stories and add more to it later on, this would be the foundation and everything would have to kind of be strong and structured in order to kind of keep it going consistently in the future days to come. And for me, that really helped. That really helped get into what I wanted and needed to do as a writer and pulled me away from things that I didn't need to get into. Again, it just it helped refine things. It helped get things reformatted and refreshed in such a way that I was inspired to write. And thankfully, by doing that, I was able to finish and complete the the first section, a series of stories, and kind of see those get to the place where maybe actually I could pursue publication. And that is, I think, where we're going to end it for this part of the particular episode here, episode two. And next time, we're going to talk about the modern time or the present age of the world of Trollodron and how we got from the Middle Years all the way to it. And just a reminder, you're certainly free to send me your questions at behind at chadcorey.com. That's C-H-A-D-C-O-R-R-I-E dot com. I'll be looking forward to answering your questions. Uh, You can certainly, if there's something you have a question about this this episode in particular or the series in general or Trollodon or or something that might be applicable to what we're talking about here, do, like I said, send it my way, and I will answer them on the podcast if possible, as well as if there's enough of them, maybe see about combining them together for a whole question and answer episode in the future. So once again, that's behind at chadcory.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is copyright Chad Corey. All rights reserved. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.